Episode 30 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast, where we talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, The Late Show, and other degeneration comedy tidbits. Ah, <gasps> oh, breathe, it's been a while. My name is Matt, and joining this podcast today is Alison Daniel Kim and Prue. Hi! Hi. Oh, long time no see. Yeah, it's yeah. nearly been three months or so. Wow! I think. <laughs> Who are you people? <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you're a new person, uh, this is episode 30. There's plenty of stuff in the back end of this uh, podcast, as well as I've got to say thank you so much for everyone downloading, especially the Jason Stevens episode. That is, if if you ignore the fact that that our first three episodes of the Champagne Comedy Podcast being so rough (laughs) and so old, that Jason Stevens one is one of our most downloaded episodes. So thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, it was really good to have him on the show and... um... Yeah, hopefully not the last Late Show member we'll get on either. Ah, yes. <laughs> hopefully, if anybody at Working Dog is listening. <laughs> <laughs> or any of the others. Yeah. Yes. Please, come on. We, we want someone like Shifty Calhoun or someone like that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know how to approach this, but ever since uh, we went on that bit of a break, um, there's been a few passings that have gone on that are, are semi-related to Late Show. Yeah. Uh, one for, uh, is Desmond Tutu, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, but I feel like we should move on from that one because it's not the most pleasant <laughs> it, one. Yeah, what we need is to move on. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've noticed a distinct lack of references to Tonga as well, which is probably for the best. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm, yeah. The amount of messages that we kept getting and it's like, can't respond to yeah. that. There's a not the time. No, people get it. Simple as that. If you get it, <laughs> you get it. No yeah. point in highlighting. However, one that just recently happened at the time of this recording was Meatloaf, who had just passed away, and that's unfortunate. However, the connection with Meatloaf is in an episode of Charlie the Wonder Dog, which we haven't gotten to that review stage of that episode yet. But here's a snippet that when Charlie appeared on stage. Uh, with meatloaf. From our heart to your soul, thank you. But most of all, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank our new drummer, first time tonight, Charlie the Wonder Dog. <laughs> there you go. Always giving a leg up to new talent. <laughs> <laughs> also, one that's a bit more obscure was as McKenna as well, who was known as Animal, who featured in Houseboat Horror. Oh yes. Yeah. So that, um, I just want to point it out, thanks to uh, listener Tim, uh, as well as Brian Mannix. No, he's alive. But (laughs) (laughs) shark attack happened, whatever. What? Yeah, there was a shark that attacked him, yeah. Uh, And guess who saved him? Charlie the Wonder Dog. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't it Warwick Warwick Capper? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is the wow. most amazing story. Why is it not in the mainstream media? It is. Yeah. It was. That's cool. It was. I mean, even, <laughs> even I saw that story. <laughs> so I'm up on the other side of the world. Him. That's perfect Daily Mail fodder right there. Yeah, you remember oh, him? I explained it. <laughs> it was the biggest thing in, well, biggest thing in the water. So 
<laughs> well, I hope uh, you rest up uh, Brian Mannix, you know, because you do have your knockout Brian Mannix hits to churn out. That's quite a horror connection right there. Also, if you subscribed, you would have heard a little teaser thing go on um, when Samuel coming back. That was a mate of mine, uh, Big Trev. You may know him from Big Brother Season 4, where he was the one who won the million dollars. Anyway, so disclaimer, I work with him, but he's also a good mate of mine, and he's our official celebrity stooge. <laughs> but the reason why I include him with this because I discovered this about him um, the other week after I've been working with him, for, I've known him for about six years now, and this, he actually auditioned for Thank God You're Here, and wow. yeah, he didn't get it. So here's his uh, story. I had an audition for uh, Thank God You're Here. I had no idea what was going. I was getting myself into. I stayed in a hotel, got told nothing about the audition, and then went into a hotel room, and there was sitting uh, Santo... And I can't remember who else there was, but there was Santo Calero. He was there. And then they ran me through. Um, I was in a predicament where they brought me into a police station. Uh, They said I'd stolen a caravan and then I had to come up with an excuse. I had no idea what I was getting myself into and I I failed the audition, as you can tell, because I was not in any one of those episodes. So I was better off, you know, talking on radio or playing Xbox at home. I should have just stuck to doing that. Only if they gave me a job to, like an Arvo show, could probably excel then. What, they did? Oh, one and two, nine hot tomatoes. Stay tuned. <laughs> Between three and seven with Moira. Moira and Big Trev, that is, yeah. Okay, cool. Can I, I, know, I know what cut means. Shut up. <laughs> okay, because yeah, I was thinking for a second he might have been uh, up for ensemble, but no, um... Uh, it, it kind of would have been interesting. I mean, I don't think he would have been the worst. Um, thank God you're here, player on that show. If if if, if he boxes any uh, indication, that was pretty cool. Just to find out that there were people who had auditioned for the show but didn't really get far with it. So, wonder what other, I guess, big name people out there who actually auditioned and didn't get far. Little brush with fame. Yeah. Oh, he was also in Going Down Under Meat Pie, which started Cavalry. Yeah, he played the doctor who was one of the people who put back on a certain male appendage. <laughs> Very prestigious role. Yeah. Now, uh, Kim. So I was at my local salvos the other day, as you as you do, because uh, things have opened up now and we want to see what what goodies we can find. So I found uh, Bernard King's album called A Man of Style from 1977. I also got <laughs> um, a turntable for my birthday, so I thought, oh, let's go and see what I can find. Um, yeah, so this is a very interesting album it's actually quite good quality and there's a particular track on there called kitchen man his jelly rolls are nice and hot they never fail to touch the spot she can't do without her kitchen man his frankfurters are all so sweet how she loves his sausage meat she can't live without a kitchen man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so in your windows, you, yeah. What in your windows? No, lyrics. Thanks. So there's some serious Rex Harrison singing going on there, isn't there? 
This was actually featured two years ago on the Australian Kitchers Twitter account, um, number 83 on the coldest 100. Actually, today they've got the coldest <laughs> yeah. 100 today, so it's good timing. Uh, where um, the Wiggles Papadum is number one. Sorry, spoiler alert there. Um, uh, but anyway, when I looked it up, I found the reference to that from a couple of years ago. And originally it actually was um, sung by Bessie Smith, a famous blues singer from 1929. Uh, when she sings it, she sings it uh, in a different way. It's just, it's it's much uh, more risque when you think about it as being a song from the 20s. Um, but Bernard, yes, a man of style. It's uh, three to three bucks. And what, what a stylish <laughs> outfit he's wearing on the cover there. Yeah. yeah, he's wearing a white tuxedo. He's got a glass of champagne mm. there, a cigarette. Um, oh, Bernard. Yeah. A jaunty angle on his That's trilby. right, jaunty. That's right. Uh, I give him a rating of 15. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the paper. I've got the paper. <laughs> Daniel Jean is program guide. Oh boy, and there's a lot uh, from uh, Ross Warnicke's Critical Guide to the Weekends TV. Uh, starting on Channel 7, we've got uh, the movie The Revenge of Al Capone. Says Warnicke, it's an okay 1989 mobster flick with Ray Sharkey, impressive as Capone, still running the underworld from behind bars. Uh, on Channel 9, um, at 6.30 on Hey Hey Saturday, there were quite a lot of guests. Uh, we had Lisa Edwards performing Cross My Broken Heart, Dean Hutton doing sciencey stuff, Cameron Daddo singing a song called Ain't the First Time. Now, that's from his album The Long Goodbye, which is the same album as Four and, and a Half, half Minutes, minutes of Shit, shit. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, a.k.a. 15 Minutes of Fame, yeah. <laughs> also, a couple of pre-recorded interviews. Uh, we got uh, Daryl interviewing Tina Turner and Molly Meldrum interviewing Billy Joel about his uh, their new album, The River of Dreams. Um, on Red Faces, we had, uh, alongside Red, uh, model Vita Curtis and Shirley Strawn, who we'll also see tonight. So uh, he had a very busy night tonight. Um, then Boom Crash Opera performing The Last Place on Earth, uh, as well as a live cross to Rhonda Birchmore and Brooke Shields from Hot Shoe Shuffle. And then to close things out, Chocolate Starfish uh, performing their cover of You're So Vain. You know what the sad part is? I've, after um, like we're thinking about Chocolate Starfish... Uh, yeah, yeah. I we really... didn't realize how horrid a, a name that actually is. Yeah, I actually. <laughs> that's the first time I. That's how I learned what it was. So. Yeah, the, the it wasn't until like when I was. I will admit I helped Daniel with that research of the episode. Hey, <laughs> hey, and when I watched it and saw the logo, I just straight away got, oh my god, that's that is what it is on oh. the, the logo. Like, the, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Mummy, what does that, what does chocolate starfish mean? All right, after that filth fest with the chocolate starfish at 8.30, we've got uh, cricket England versus Australia. Says Warnicky, the ashes have been won, so the fifth test at Edgebaston may not excite, but there's not much else on the box tonight. Oh, <laughs> oh how rude. <laughs> well, Who won? Uh, Who won? Was, was it us? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I didn't bother to look it up, to be honest. I mean, it's a bit like this year's Ashes. You know, it's just it's a foregone conclusion. You know, mm, it's probably us. Yeah. yeah, let's say it us. Uh, let's say it's us. Well, wait, Australia. Say, oh, that, I was going to say, if you're saying it's us, Alison, you're in the UK, so you're referring to us as in UK because yeah. of location. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but I'm not an idiot. You know, in cricket, <laughs> I'm still supporting Australia. You know, yeah. it was the because, 90s. Yeah. Australia basically won everything. Yeah. 
Britain basically won a few matches, I think, in the noughties, and then they've just in the doldrums again. So, you know, Australia. Uh, over on Channel 10, we've got a 1955 Hitchcock comedy thriller called To Catch a Thief, with Kerry Grant as a former jewel thief uh, pursuing Grace Kelly and trying to steer clear of the law. Uh, then on SBS, we've got the 9.30 movie The Man Who Watched Trains Go By, a watchable... 1952 <laughs> British crime drama. Yeah, watchable. It's TV. It's got to be watchable. Uh, it stars Claude Rains as a clerk who follows his crooked boss's lead and takes the company's money and runs to the high life in Paris. And last of all, uh, the ABC. So before uh, the late show, we've got Birds of a Feather. What'll I do? Have I well, missed that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> While her husband schemes to make his prison life more bearable, Sharon encounters an older man. And Dorian, she's still a dirty cat. <laughs> I think, I don't, I don't know how, how well I did with that. Like my, my accent news I've sort of worked out is uh, Harold Steptoe, the son from Steptoe and Son. <laughs> <laughs> He sort of drops the H's and he sort of... He talks about everything being very lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, enough of the shit-ass accents. Uh, At 10 o'clock, The Late Show, um, which uh, Ross Warner here has uh, put inside a box, meaning that it's uh, uh, one of the uh, things that's worth a look. Um, Yeah, just puts down next to it. Satire and sketch comedy from Melbourne's DJ. Then at 11 o'clock is a British relationships drama called Children Crossing. So, again, it's this sort of weird pairing. You think they would put more comedy on after the late show rather than relationship dramas, but anyway. Um, at 12.30, the ATVI News, and then at 1 o'clock, Rage, tonight featuring rap and funk music. Together at last. <laughs> and that's the program, guy. Thank you, Daniel. All right, now let's get into it. We're reviewing Season 2, Episode 10 of The Late Show, broadcast Saturday, August 7, 1993. And we have the opening, which is 28 Up Australia. There's a throwback from a previous sketch. Uh, Still continuing on with that. And they're featuring Joe, who is age 7, and then again at age 14. Well, school's not really going so well. I'm repeating year 8 again. My teachers don't reckon I've got any future. God knows what I'm going to do when I grow up. This joke sucks. I hate it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to do some research to see how intelligent Joe Bailey actually is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what is it about getting stuck into Joe Bailey, right? Because, mm. you know, they 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 just, I don't know, that was she notoriously dumb? She she didn't really get much to do on, on Sailor Century, so you don't really get to see if she is intelligent or not. She, she was intelligent enough to remember what she had to say. Yeah, she was a salesperson. She had to do math on television. That's pretty difficult. (laughs) I I feel like I feel like this is a really mean sketch, Mm. really unjustified as well. But particularly when they did that fun one with the protest, you know, bring back Joe and yeah, this one sucks. And it's it's really it's really odd that like Joe H seven says I'm really disappointed because I failed plasticine. I've never heard of that. It's just a dumb thing. What the hell does that mean? She actually, oh, my God. So she went to some pretty posh schools. She went to Tintern and MLC, which are huge grammar schools in Melbourne. And then she completed degrees in accounting and marketing at RMIT and Swinburne. 
and she's an auditor at PwC. What now? Okay, so she's wow. not dumb. She's the opposite of dumb. Yeah. So that's that just that joke can go sit in the nineteen ninety three sin bin. <laughs> <laughs> But I will say, though, that age uh, 14 Joe is played by Petra Yerid. Who's that? Uh, Australian actress, um, which I think she was... No, it wasn't a KFC ad. There was one that was an ad recently where there's a kid rapping in the background of of the car. Uh, But I mainly know her from the movie Blurred. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where the schoolies... M- movie where they all come any up to the Gold Coast. Any yeah. Australian movie reference is going to be obscure, I'm afraid, Matt. Just like Guru Wayne and Meat Pie. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, she's just a well-known Australian actress now. Like I've been in a lot of Australian movies and TV shows, including All Saints and all that. Uh, so that's and what got the, my And answer. played a 14-year-old Joe Bailey. So after the opening titles, we have the opening remarks, and this looks like straight up, um, you know, those when Mick was magically not appearing and they usually put... Judith mm. in or something to replace. So Mick has probably disappeared. And so it's Tony and Judith on stage. Judith with fancy hair, which is, I think, foreshadowing for something later on tonight. Mm, yeah, I think it was like starting yeah. the scene coming up. <laughs> yes. So Tony was meant to do something fancy with Mick instead and play the cue or cue the pre recorded clip of Tony playing the piano and mm. Mick gyrating it. <laughs> Lip sync. Yeah, this is this is their fabulous Baker Boys parody with with mm. Mick kind of draping himself over the piano in a sexy way, <laughs> <laughs> which is quite funny. Yes. Doing making whoopee. God, I have not seen that film since probably nineteen ninety three. And you just always think of Mick when you think of that scene. <laughs> but it's it's just it's a magnificent sort of flight of fancy uh, with uh, with Mick really. Really sexing it up, and they weirded out Tony, just yeah. abs- absolutely losing, uh, miming, playing the piano, and sort of dropping a a, uh, a silent f bomb as well. Yeah, he mouths a swear there, doesn't he? <laughs> Tony's look to camera is so yeah. perfectly timed. Yeah. I just yeah. love it. Judith calls bullshit on it, but they do play the other clip, which is the song that they would have been playing, which was Chicken Tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I like um, it a follow up, you know, the two Ronnies wouldn't have attempted that sketch. Which is <laughs> quite funny. Other headlines which they did mention was that, that, that UK Norg bombshell Samantha Fox grabs headlines after heading to war torn Bosnia for a morale raising trip and being shot at. Now, <laughs> now Tony, Tony reads that from a newspaper clipping now. I couldn't work out what newspaper that was, but I would bet uh, uh, you know, nine times out of ten that that was probably from the truth. <laughs> yeah. I recently found out that Sam Fox was a pin-up girl at the age of 16. Ooh. Yeah, someone told me yeah. that yesterday, and I was yeah, all, really all, freaked out. Yeah. Oh, no, all the, a lot of those page three girls, they, they started at 16 or something. Yeah, that, that's quite normal. Um, I also like um, Judith uh, uh, chipping in with uh, that feminist. <laughs> What about the awkward little story about the Australian priest caught stealing 1.8 mil? Good lord! Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a fairly obvious. (laughs) Yeah, it's a fairly obvious but good point to make that you know these are yeah these are religious people who are you know like who have these rules. They're not hard rules, you know. Oh, definitely, (laughs) especially with the certain sex crime that came along with it and. 
insert all the Judith religion puns. <laughs> and that really set the mood of the start of the show, didn't it? Well, come on. They they sort of crowbar in a Tonight Live gag um, in, in that yes, story do, about, yeah. about um, you know, Tonight Live basically ripping off other people. So, you know, the priest ripped off people. That's a very bad telling of that joke, but that's essentially the thrust of it. Gotcha. <laughs> and Tony does wonder if uh, doctors attend parties and people approach him to talk about their ailments. <laughs> if it happens to Dr. Jack Kevorkian, that's a freaking hilarious joke. Well, also, also though, you know, like they, they say, oh, later in the show, we're going to demonstrate, do- we're going to have Dr. Kevorkian on. He's going to demonstrate his technique on Jonathan Coleman. <laughs> so he's <laughs> getting stuck into Jonathan Coleman as well. Oh, he's Aww. also part. He's also one of the. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has. Yeah. And. This one, though, um, where Judith actually, I didn't understand it at the time, but going by my research, turns out that 1993 was a leap year for this particular award because Judith wants to win the Young Achiever Award in Community Service. And apparently 1993, these awards weren't handed out. It was just completely skipped. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. It's really it's a, a red-letter yeah. award, no, isn't look it? At it uh, if you look at Australian of the Year or whatever, uh, Kieran Perkins got it for 1992 and he held it for two years. Oh. It's so, yeah, I had no idea until I did some deep research on that. Deep being I looked it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> the things we have to do for this podcast. <laughs> but it did lead into Judith going into the audience uh, to yep. see if she could get support. And this is where it kind of really died. Yeah. Don't worry, it's only national telly. And you're as snug as a bug in a rug in that little woolly jumper, aren't you? Now, would you like to see me win Young Achiever of the Year? You would. You're just being a suck, really, aren't you? You're just being a big, fat suck on national telly. Why would you like to see me win? Because, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think we know you won't be winning it anyway. Now... Uh, and yourself, do you think I should win Young Achiever of the Year Award? Of course. You do? Well, I, I suppose I could win it for both of us. Have, have, you, have you achieved much? Because you're certainly not young, are you? Well, I feel young. You feel young and you're as young as you feel. Now, Tone, I could go on like this all night, but I won't. I'm going to chuck back I to you. You could. I'm enjoying your work with one of the four kinsmen down there, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how awkward. And... Also, like, I just I have so much to say about this, right? Like, you know how this is kind of awful to watch? Well, that's how I feel about it. I think mm-hmm. that it's also, incre- like, it's always awful to watch Judith go into the audience every time she does at one of her shows. It's like, I just have flashbacks to this moment. I, it's like I didn't pay to hear from some dick cheese in the fucking second row. I paid for Judith Lucy. I don't really care about these audience people that, but she's fascinated by them and it's mm-hmm. part of her shtick and she won't give it up. And obviously she's become so much better at it than just this moment because I think she's slightly a bit too cruel, particularly to mm. the teenager. And my heart really went out to her because I thought... She was just petrified. That yeah. was Yeah, and I yeah. thought she's probably my age at the time. I remember having a daggy scrunchie right at the base of my neck and the daggy long <laughs> ponytail out the, the back. The and the jumper. And, and the skivvies. Yeah. We almost, like, I just thought, oh, God, my heart goes out to her and just when she opens her mouth she's got that really awkward you know like (laughs) and I just thought oh this poor girl probably just dying thinking that she's on telly so yeah I don't know yeah I felt the same very awkward to watch um, speaking of the four kinsmen, that was another thing I saw at the Salvos. It was, <laughs> it was the four kinsmen, it was a $30 autographed 
version of one of their albums. Wow, had, 30 um, bucks. Yeah, it was 30 bucks because it had the <laughs> autograph on there. If Did you want, buy it? <laughs> no, I didn't buy that one. Well, the $3 Bernard King, but not the $30 Kingsman album. That is just so fascinating yeah. to me, not knowing who the Kingsman are ever. <laughs> I would have reimbursed you with the Champagne Comedy podcast money, but because we've only made $11 so far from the shop. <laughs> I'm not making way, a profit out of that, no. Uh, no. Yeah, I, yeah, you know we Unfortunately, we can't snap the record into thirds, so. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, uh, if you did, sorry to go a bit off track, but if you did buy something from the Champagne Comedy store on <laughs> Redbubble, the link is in the podcast feed. Three people bought our logo, right? They got certain designs or so forth like that. They are now collector's items because the, um, I'll put it this way, uh, the French <laughs> shut it down so, because of the wow. world champagne. champagne. Oh, really? Yeah. No. things like it could have, we could have gotten a DMCA or DCMA or whatever it's called, copyright notice from Working Dog. No, I got Sparkling nothing. wine, sketch yeah. comedy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sparkling, we have to now yeah. call ourselves sparkling wine, sketch um, comedy. Let's just start the show again. <laughs> this is the sparkling wine podcast. Anyway, it's just not the same. No, no. So yeah. Oh boy, because we're taking away heaps of their revenue just by that one word. It's on a website that is meant to be designed for profit, and we're not trying to do it for profit. Where we're trying to buy prizes, none of the money goes to us directly. Just to be that investment type thing. So, yeah, that's what happened. Oh, man. Maybe you, sh- you should redo it. Actually, do a t shirt that says Sparkling Wine Comedy Podcast. <laughs> All right, please buy the t shirt, buy the hat, buy the coffee even, mug. Even more of a collector's edition if you can get, it, get that up and running. Everything else was fine. The, the hashtag bus trip the barrel is untouched. <laughs> oh, we're not. We're not. We're not, being, we're not being chased down by barrels. Bear of barrels. And now it's over to the news desk with Tommy G. Yeah. And forget the bullet point, quick fire news bits. So all I've got here is yeah, dis- especially the one disparaging Adelaide's drinking water. I will not stand. Ooh, are you sure that's not real? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I had when I lived in Adelaide, I never turned the tap on and got sort of brown sludge come out. I, I maybe got some brown water, but not brown sludge. How dare they? <laughs> it should have just been water, brown water. Isn't <laughs> your drinking sludge. water Farmers Union? <laughs> <laughs> what, what in, a, in a sort of carton? <laughs> no, just pouring out of the tap. Taps, yeah. It, yeah, when you, when you turn the tap on Adelaide, you get iced coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it, comes straight, it comes straight from the udder. Oh, no. mm. Sorry, I just had a visual image in the wrong thing. Cows being standing there, being fed coffee grounds. Anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's Del- how we make them. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but but can I just point out this is followed up by an equally bad joke, which is a number twenty seven with black bean sauce joke. So you know, yeah, there's, you can, there's you some can, really you, you can guess the setup to that one. We're not going to give it to you. Yeah, yeah, there's some great material in this news desk. Oh yeah, mm. but I will point out there was the shelling of Lebanon. It's over. Refugees return home in McDoan. So they got <laughs> just a something that happened at that time really with the motorbike racing, only to find destruction and overdue car fines. I thought that that was quite a subtle cutaway gag. Really, it wasn't like it wasn't really beating up on any particular nation or anything like that. It was just a you know, yeah, like, it's just wouldn't, funny. 
Wouldn't yeah? Wouldn't you be pissed off if you came back to your wreck of a car and it had a sticker on it? Bosnia peace talks that break down with Serbia's Radovan Karadzic uh, is called to the phone. It's John Blackman from Telecom Mobile then here. Who's that? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Always funny. Always oh, funny. Yes. I've been counting those John oh, Blackman jokes. Ace. That's the sixth one. So is it, yes. It's not in every episode, but it nearly is. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, I've got Miss- here on my script thing. Oh, I can't really see it, but it says uh, Blackman 6. So <laughs> it's the sixth time I've had to dub it over. <laughs> yeah, we're still trying to yeah. find the original source of that, aren't we? The original ad. Because yeah. they did play it quite regularly, I remember, when, when I was growing up, but I just can't find it online anywhere. Now, in finance news, the international money market, this is this is brilliant. This is pure Tommy G. Yeah. And this is do you on guys the... think it's brilliant, dude? Yeah. Well, because <laughs> the, part, the part that we see on the DVD is a shortened, edited version, but the full-length one is great, especially for the weekend listeners. This was the um, one piece... You know how I'm a big fan of Tommy G? There's no doubt about that. But this was the one piece where my friend and I just thought, oh, he's the biggest dork in the world. And we actually came home after school and wrote him like a joke critique letter like Tommy G like stop being such a dork you know and <laughs> thank god we did not send it to him but we were really like incensed by this I don't know why <laughs> Dude, was, really... it, was it maybe because it was too stereotypical? because he like basically Tommy G explains the financial markets with different drinks so a lager for the British pound and sake for Japanese yen and I don't know what it was for the German mark. Oh, low and brown. It was, it was some, yeah, low and brown. Yeah. It was just the, the really bad getting stoned acting and the, the fact that but the, the drinks that's what makes it funny. everywhere. <laughs> that's what makes it funny is, is, is when he gets stoned really ridiculously, you know, and yeah. Well, well the, the best part that's is it. is that he's using or well, drinking real booze. <laughs> that, sure, okay, that is that is not real Quantro. Oh. That cannot be real Quantro. Well, the beers were real because... Oh, the beers yeah. were real, yeah. Yeah. Over. yeah, they were spilling. Yeah. yeah. But the Quantro would not have been real. <laughs> Maybe it was a real joint. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it just it gets taken to its extreme conclusion, which is... Um, Oh uh, yeah, Tommy G pulling out a syringe to signify Thailand, and yeah, that's when we go. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's enough, Tommy. That'll be your punchline. Yeah. Look, this whole thing's a bit complex. We'll we'll skip. I don't think Robert Doc Liebson has this sort of problems. We'll move on. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a good line. To uh, Roy, to Royal Lawson. News. <laughs> <laughs> and bugger me. Uganda has a new king. Bugger me. <laughs> then follows up with, you know, the Queen Mum in her lime green nighty. so... Oh, yeah, with the, the 93rd <laughs> birthday, yeah. 21 gun salute in Hyde Park, London Bridge and Belfast. The news uh, segment sort of ends on a bit of a whimper. We didn't get any Rob Stitch impersonations, so... No. Very, but, uh, like a very ho-hum uh, news segment this episode. Well, it goes from Tommy G to Tommy G. Yeah. yeah, it goes from a low moment from my point of view to a very, very high moment. I love, this is my favourite Tommy G uh, suit over the shoulder acting. <laughs> Tommy G on assignment interviewing Prime Minister Paul Keating. <laughs> And how bad is the makeup on Tony, by the way? Like the, oh, the, the, the key so bad, makeup. it's good. That's just what yeah. makes it. Yeah. The reaction from the audience when they suddenly cut to him. 
That's hilarious. It's with that, with that, with that like... perfectly round Cal Pilkey yeah. tip. It's like completely yeah. not the shape of Paul Keating's head at all. <laughs> and yet you like, still know who it is. Whatever. Yeah, you don't need it. It's fine. <laughs> well, he does the voice pretty well. Oh, yeah. The last time that uh, Tony did play Paul Keating, it was on the screen and they did that superimposed mouth on the picture. Yeah. That's, mm. Yeah. So this time it's like makeup akimbo. Uh, which I think is great because it's such a physical uh, sketch as well. Well, the part that made it to the DVD was the bit about tax reform, but the part where it's all the topics and questions are put to him by Tommy G, especially, you know, like you got the, is the Australian economy staffed on unemployment? But mainly this one I got a big kick out of where he's describing John Hewson. John Hewson's <laughs> waging a childish smear campaign against John Hewson. Look, that's bullshit. But I will say this. Dr Hewson <laughs> is a wuss. He, he, he's a crybaby. He's a girl. His bike is a girl's bike. It's got a basket on the front. So he, uh, he, 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 I know for a fact he poos his pants. <laughs> Uh, so he will say me that that wasn't in the best bits because I actually remember that was the biggest scandal of the best bits that this wasn't in complete form. Is that right? That there was a tiny was... bit in some more bits, I think it might have been. Yeah. Well, there was a bit there where they were talking about the tax reform and then he's just going on and on, you know, inquisitively or whatever. He, he's just blurting out all these words and then he gets to the end and he goes, oh, I completely I forgot forgot the question. question. Yeah, yeah, yeah repeat, the repeating thing. Yeah, because that part about John Hewson was hilarious. Like, we would quote that all of the time. <laughs> now, were they, at the very beginning of that sketch, weren't they in front of that mansion? That, Riffin that, Lee or something? Yeah, Riffin Lee, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just love this bit where it's like, and now he, he goes on a trampette, <laughs> you know, for no apparent reason. <laughs> no apparent reason. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, L-A-W, likely as wombat shit. <laughs> 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 the whole thing's just great. <laughs> but yeah, especially trying to build Tommy G up as well. Yeah, basically a, a George Negus analog with the yeah, always always with the jacket over the shoulder has been sewn there in place. Yeah. yeah. And then and then it sort of it all it all ends with this this very flowery language about changing the face of news, reshaping it, remodeling it, stripping it back, knocking down a few walls and putting in a patio. <laughs> yes. yeah. It's just, it's an, it's an excellent piss take of, well, yeah, the, the, uh, I don't know if the phrase is, uh, at, but like the, the, the big swinging, you know, what's in TV news. Yeah. It came out recently on Twitter when some, I don't know, idiot. Um, <laughs> Did you see that? Like he's never he never picks on Labor, and it's like some, thank God someone just put, composted this. Like I think he does pick on Labor. <laughs> now we're up to the part which, uh, if you subscribe, you would have heard the teaser for this. I am the music man. I come from down your way, and I can play. What can you play? I can play the great Joe Marx. Oh. So that was the music men and no known... such a blast from the past. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Hey hey it's Saturday's finest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well that was the second time that they had appeared on Red Faces as well. It's so weird how much of a hit they were. It's like yeah. why were people in love with them? 
But they, they released an album. They used to tour around, didn't they? They were really big. They really mm. they really struck while the iron was hot because, uh, uh, well, as we'll see with this, this next sketch. Yeah, exactly, uh, because they had signed up or Tui's had signed them up for a commercial, which, for the life of me, it was on YouTube years ago, but now it's gone. I can't find there, it. There is a link on uh, Facebook. Um, I can send you the link. But Music Men beer ad years ago but yeah instead of the, the music men uh in the late show's case it's the music girls oh hold on what's this oh okay oh okay it's actually it's actually on the actual music men facebook page because see i'm 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 also unfamiliar with the the music men beer ad all right um but i'm i'm sort of assuming that this music girls parody i mean this is sort of it's another take on we had last season the that's not a beer drinker's dog ad and yeah, I think I think this is this is pretty much in a similar vein. Oh, I am the music girl. I come from down your way. What can you play? I can play the Aussie bloke. So in the Tui's ad, they pretty much do the whole thing. I think it's Tui's new or Tui's old. You got Tui's, Tui, Tui's. To his gold. To his gold, that's it. See, I didn't even have to look at the commercial and I still kind of remembered it. The only unfortunate thing is that we don't know who the other girls apart from Jane and Judith are. Yeah, for one fleeting second I thought, oh, that's Alison White. And then I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly She's they kind, don't, they, kind they, of they dressed like Alison White. Mm, you know, yeah. very, very sort of mid-90s kind of yeah, suit every, she's got Everyone on. had similar attire, so you can be forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> Mistaking her for her. I remember they, this they... sketch was mentioned. Was it that Juice article or another article where um, they followed them on, uh, you know, while they were filming, and this was one of the ones they were following no one remembers? <laughs> no, I vaguely remember something like that, and... It was more or less a behind-the-scenes on how they did sketches yeah. and, you know, filmed on the certain budget and tight turnaround. And I just remember from that article, which, of course, I cannot recall the source of. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, like, I remember thinking, wow, there's so much effort gone into this, like, three-second part of the show. Like, it, you know, such a big day. But not a lot of yield. But it's fine, though. It's a perfectly fine gag. Does, does anybody know what the hotel is that they're going into? Because it, it kind of looked a bit kind of like the es- Esplanade. The SB yeah, I thought it was the SB. And then later, when they're wearing like Sherlock Holmes hats, I wondered, oh, could that be the Sherlock Holmes in Melbourne? But that's kind of classy. It didn't used to have gig posters. Well, I don't know about used to, but it doesn't have gig posters on it now. So. Maybe they just did it all in the SB and for some reason put on Deerstalker hats. I don't know why they did that. <laughs> now we go straight to the desk and it's a live sketch where it is an adjudication between Optus and Telecom with their advertising wars. And you have Tony as Telecom. I couldn't be bothered doing the names because the names kind of changed, altered a little bit as they went. <laughs> so yeah, Tony as Telecom, Mick as Optus and Rob as Quinton Dempster. What do you have to say to critics who believe the whole advertising war between Telecom and Optus has got completely out of hand? Well, they started it. Did not. 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 
two or three minutes of Mick and Tony just having fun. Yeah, I love that yeah. so much. <laughs> I, I kind yeah. of I kind of thought, you know, oh, all right, you know, they're they're sort of they're like school kids in the schoolyard, you know, just doing doing all that kind of stuff. And it sort of goes on a bit, and I thought, oh, this isn't very good. And then at the end, that's that's when yeah. the sketch turns around. And I think, okay, this is actually a good ending. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on here, Michael? Michael, don't you? Mum, who did it? Who did it? He started. Who the did whole what? Thing. Michael, Michael, get home. Get home. Get home. Get home. And what are you smoking at, young man? What have you got to say to yourself? Wait until I tell your mother about. It. Go on, get out. Go on, get out. I just yeah. think this is the greatest sketch for when you're 17 and you're in love with Rob and Tony and they're in a sketch together and they're looking adorable. I'm sorry but it just has to be said. There's just these moments that are far too hot and it's like when Rob cracks it and he's like, I'll smack you both in a minute. Like and he does that little laugh. <laughs> oh, um, come on. No no love for Joy Westmore, of course, who, who oh, played absolutely. Joyce, Joyce that... in prison, and Mrs. White in Cluedo and, and Vale as well because I believe she died a few years ago. You know I love Cluedo, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just so great and I love the bit where – you're Tommy's pet, you know, like that feels like <laughs> yeah. almost the, like a version oh, of reality. They put the dickhead sign on Rob's back. That's, oh, he's that, looking. that amused me. <laughs> well, they yeah. went, knobhead, butthead, knobhead, butthead, knobhead, butthead. And then, uh, yeah, I, I asked my daughter if they still do this sort of thing in the playground and they, they do say, I know you are, but why? I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> and then when I asked her, um, what about the milk milk lemonade around the corner chocolates made? She was, oh, yeah, they say that. And then she said, oh, no, no, that's just because you say it sometimes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I only... <laughs> I used to tell her about it mostly from this sketch because that's what we used to yeah. we used to say just as a joke. And, and I love the it. big smacks <laughs> and then um, Rob starts corpsing. Like, there's just so um, much to love. And my, our yeah. favourite line that we would always laugh about was, yeah, well, my dad's an astronaut. And Tony goes, <laughs> yeah, look, there he is now in a dress. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> But yeah. maybe it's one for when you're a teenager. I don't I don't think it's as wildly amazing now <laughs> when I'm an old lady, but like I loved it at the, at time. the time. Yes. I, well, I think Joy Joy Westmore saves it really and you know, yeah. she she gets the kids off and, and then, then she goes after Mark Gibson, the producer, which is <laughs> which is a nice little extension to it. And I think yeah. the guys react to her perfectly, which is like yeah. oh, oh. What's yeah. happening? Rub's here. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Mick and Tony are perfect for these sorts of, yeah, childlike roles. And, like, the sketch as a whole is perfect for doing in front of a, a live audience. Mm. Yeah. They they respond really well, the audience. It was really well acted. Like, even though there's mm. a bit of corpsing in it, for the most part they just play it, you know, like, let's just go for this, let's just do it, not muck mm. around. You know. <laughs> now it's time for shit scared. Oh, sorry. Shaken, not shit scared. Yeah, they did yeah. to get rid of that from the DVD like they did the opening music. You can find this on Barjas Olden Days DVD, by the way. Rob and Mick are taking part in the new James Bond where due to budget cuts, Bond has to travel from Aubrey Rodonga to Grafton by tractor. 
<laughs> do, do you know what when when this sketch started i thought because i've seen all the bond films except the most recent one which which i'll i'll see quite soon and i i thought well you know all of these bond films you know always going to exotic locations you know asia and all parts of europe and america and everything <laughs> have they ever been to australia I don't think Bond has ever been to Australia, which seems like a really weird omission, doesn't it? Yeah, but obviously mm. when they do, they'll be straight to Aubrey Wadogo. Well, wow. <laughs> why would you go anywhere else? Glen Rowan, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so so not, not Sydney Harbour in a helicopter, no, Aubrey Wadonga on a tractor. Yeah, I do sometimes wonder if Mission Impossible 2 stole the Bond Australia yeah. thunder a little bit. Yeah. because yeah. Yeah. There's always the bus trip the barrel if the tractor breaks down the craft <laughs> I love the bit where they've just that part you just played where they're doing the theme song quite well no love for Mick doing the kind of Bond girl oh, yeah, of dancing course. but Rob just really quietly goes no Mick you'll lose respect <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to say that this is a really high budget shit scare. Yes. But mm. it got minimal laughs. What do you think? To me, I don't think that the audience reacted well enough to it. Oh, it come on. I mean, you know, it seemed to peter out towards certainly right towards the end. But I think I think they were trying to sort of be understated against the backdrop of a large explosion. Well well the mm. part where Robert gets ejected from the <laughs> The, 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 first, the Datsun, the first Datsun to be a Bond car. Let, let's just remind ourselves. Yeah. Of yeah. So they got like a couple of good laughs, and then when they lead into down the track where uh, the financiers are in the shed, and then they blow it up a bit later on. <laughs> Big explosion, but it was only just a couple of giggles. I just wonder if um, it was more impressive than funny, because I, I know that mm. it really it reminded me. Oh yeah, that's right. This is, and I was, oh, I'm just going to assume that it was Santo on Handy Cam because that's how it usually goes. But who knows? But there's this great bit where he just pans slightly up and he gets this whole sort of nuclear mushroom thing in shot. <laughs> yes, and you just go, wow, that's actually really looking good. <laughs> yeah, and I think there was just, just some really excellent visual gags. You know, mm. the whole eject the thing where Rob gets ejected, I, I blinked too quickly and I thought, wow, I didn't even see where they subbed him out for the dummy. It actually looked like Rob. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. really seamless. I yeah, I tried that. to freeze frame. I freeze framed it and tried to find out exactly where that happened, and it was. And even the bit where impossible. he gets the seat sort of jam, land on when his he head. lands on him, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I love the fact that they said like they were talking about the casting for it, and, and the, <laughs> Portius, Portius. Shane Portius. <laughs> as Bond, which is he would have made a good one too, um, and then and Mick playing Blofeld, so. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. Yeah, and the no, no love. How funny was that? Oh, the pen. Yeah. <laughs> what happens? What happens to the bikini? Falls off. <laughs> I remember no, those. No pens. love for the. Um, <laughs> no love for the rotating number plate. Yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm yeah, fine. But the, the number plate rotates, and it's the same number plate, right? <laughs> and then, it, then it rotates again, and it says, "I'm a spy." Yeah. <laughs> that was a really funny joke. Yeah. I laughed a lot at that one. But also the setup for the detonator pen for it to pay off yeah. a bit later on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also the watch, and if you press this button, it brings the date up. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's all it does. But I love that uh, how uh, Herb, quote, 
um, approaches yes. Yes. for the autograph. Second, yeah, second appearance from Herb because, well, yeah, didn't he play Mick's brother in the mm. bus stunt? Yeah. Have we had the bus stunt? Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. We have. yeah, yeah. That was yeah. in season one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Alison <laughs> just did the thumbs. Yeah, the, ro- the rotating thumb. Yeah. yeah. I also like Meek on the radio going, ouch, over. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is a really good one. Now we're back in the studio for a live sketch. Tommy G and Jane show how to hold a great party. And this was pretty good, especially for a live bit. When you've got guests who you least want to invite, and who shall turn up first? Oh, you're kidding. Jane! Oh. No, I am not. Hi. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, Cheryl running over from Hey Hey. I love the way he goes for the dirty old man sort of vibe. <laughs> yeah, running all the way from Channel 9 over to... Channel 2, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that Cheryl um, would get the piss taken out of him like this and also, well, like he sort of bookends the uh, each end of this sketch as well and, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's painted as a giant dag, essentially. Well, they, they're all the radio. Yeah. yeah, he was on the DJ and Breakfast Radio. If if you go over to our Facebook page, there there is someone has uploaded a bunch of recordings from mid nineteen ninety of the DJ and Breakfast Show, and they reference Sheryl quite a lot actually because mm. he was on the radio station with them. But there's other stuff as well which is worth listening to. Now, there's a they do this thing called um, FM Playhouse, which is a sort of daily serial type thing and there's one about vikings and you'll get to hear the in the vikings song with oh, an extra yes, verse is, is and that, that's been uh, polished that, by it, matt dower for sizzle town so yeah 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 it's on the yeah on the long boats and it's on um yeah tony martin's sizzle town youtube channel yeah yeah so anyway you can you can hear the original version of in the vikings and and lots of other sketches that turn up in the late show on these recordings, so go over to our Facebook page and listen to these. They're great. And I when love you... the way when Tommy says to Cheryl, uh, "Yeah, just go over there and restump something." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our house. Yeah, yes. our house. That's right. I remember loving that. <laughs> I was just going to go back to the um, the DJ recordings. When you found out that these are kind of recycled, do you, do you think? Oh wow, that's where it came from. Or oh, they recycled the joke. Like, what was your initial no, reaction? No, I, I, I just, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, they had so much material. I mean, the DJ and Breakfast shows are amazing because there's so much original material in it, and you know, I just can't believe they all created that much original material every day, right? And then in the late show, you think, well, they they had to create all this original material for television. Of course, they're going to go back into their back catalogue. And and rework some stuff or reuse some old stuff, and I don't th- I don't think I don't feel ripped off or anything. I just think, well, fair enough. And I, I kind of enjoy both versions, and it's just interesting to see how they evolve. Mm. Yeah, and well, so I, I've talked about this last year, but obviously, like growing up, listening to them every morning, and that as you know, they were getting me out of bed. They were my alarm clock. That's what you used to do in the nineties, in the alarm <laughs> yeah. clock to play the radio in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I just really took them for granted, like they were uncles or something. Like I just had no sense of these guys are amazing when they hit the telly i was just like yeah yeah that's the dj and i'll get around to that you know my parents are loving it okay whatever you know and and it took me a while to realize no this is incredible Mm. just pull your finger out (laughs) (laughs) well see the the other thing to keep in mind is that like all the radio stuff that was just going out on the radio to melbourne 
I think the FM Playhouse stuff might have been syndicated around Australia, but, like, unless you were just shoving blank cassette, cassettes into a, a boombox and recording this sort of stuff, it just it would not have been heard from again. So um, yeah. with that sort of thing, I don't mind if it's going out to a national audience on TV. Um, yeah, as long as there's not too much in the way of um, repeated material. I'm, I'm just I'm just so amazed that these tapes exist and so grateful to the guy who put them up, so mm. huge thanks to him. Anyway, back to the party sketch. Well, yes. Back to yeah. the party sketch. <laughs> so other people that you would turn up at the party are guests who are going to bring extra guests and then you queue Tony just dragging in about 15 people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> The seasoned party goer bringing all over the cheap stuff. Cheap and cheap and nasty sweet white cast wine. Oh, yeah. Doom <laughs> yeah. bags, yes. Looking Fringy into the Moselle. Mm. And trying to find out what he can swap it for, only to find that everyone else has had the same idea. And there are multiple <laughs> casks in the fridge of the same. Jane has a new frock on, and then Judith turns up wearing the exact same thing. Yeah. The horror. The horror. <laughs> so she sets off an alarm, and I love the way they say, seize her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Looking very 1993 as well. Yeah, oh, that, the, the dress with the slit up the side. Oh my god! And what was it? And that kind of lacy the waist. Yeah, yeah. And the tight bun with the one strand of hair down the side. Oh, oh, yeah. God, the everyone's school the choker. Formal, that was the hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was what yeah. you wore for your school formal yeah. in the mid 90s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just scanned a few photos of my year 10 formal, which would have been in late 1992, and, yeah, that hair is very prevalent. Uh, Another guest to look out for is the lead singer of Mr. Mister. (laughs) With a baby. Yeah. And and Skippy's are back again. Yes. Mm. (laughs) And uh, the finger food, the tacos are a bit messy. Uh, Chicken wings. Yep. about the impractical finger food has stayed with me my entire life. Like, I just feel like <laughs> I get a bit of, if I'm hosting a party, which is, you know, never, but, like, if I am, I always get a bit of anxiety, like, oh, don't, don't do the impractical finger food. Nobody likes chicken wings anyway. Like, <laughs> I'm always aware of, like, what is something that they can hold and then they don't have to dispose of something. Well, it is the way of disposing something. Hey, hey, look, that's Graham from Graham and the Colonel. <laughs> That is so true, though. That is so true because yeah. if you ever go to a party and there's like finger food with toothpicks in it, or or like <laughs> on on little little sort of patty pans or, or or chicken bones or whatever, they always end up in some glass or on some plate. You get <laughs> so horrible, stuff. horrible, mucky pile of all this crap that people have discarded. Yeah. And the yeah. plate of tacos, it just gives me the heebie-jeebie. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Especially now with, like, with you know, COVID. several yeah. years of COVID. You just think, oh, no, everyone has to have a separate plate now, you know, in a hermetically yeah. sealed sort of... <laughs> <laughs> No such thing as finger food whatsoever, let alone impractical well, or not. <laughs> no one has parties anymore, so. <laughs> but I do love that um, line from Tony. Hey, look, it's Graham from Graham and the Colonel. Like, yeah, I love the way it sort of surprises Rob and yeah. he laughs. <laughs> but also, you've got to look out for party guests who can't remember people's names, especially <laughs> when it gets to that point of no return. I'm sorry, I, I can't remember your name because I just find you boring as batshit. <laughs> <laughs> Too much honesty. They also joke about uh, you know how everybody calls each other mate, yeah, which is a which joke that they carried over. Line. Yeah, the, yeah, the Logies episode line. of Frontline. Yeah. 
So again, recycling, you know, nothing wrong with recycling. And you know when the party guests have had enough when they start watching cricket and it's lunchtime and they also make excuses to leave. So not to forget the unsuccessful conga line. Oh, I love Judith and Santo's conga line. It's something <laughs> like Santo's got this real sway in his hips and it's just this incredible <laughs> thing to observe. <laughs> He's really getting into it there. Yeah, it's, yeah such an energetic desperation there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Why would you there's not nothing, join that conga line? Standard. I would have joined it gladly. <laughs> I I would have been off in the drug room. I think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a late show. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also to liven up the party. But you've got to have good music. So you play Mustang Sally, Rock Lobster. Or that really odd song by Skyhawks, All My Friends Are Getting Married. Yeah, <laughs> that'll clear the That's room. That's a room clearer. Because yeah. there's absolutely no way we were listening to Skyhawks in the 90s. Sorry, well, do, you, do you remember, like, do you remember Skyhawks? Skyhawks? Yeah, they did their best yeah. of album and Not they had loved. Jukebox Not highly room. loved. <laughs> I, I, actually, I bought that for $5 in Kmart when they were doing a magic yeah. appearance thing. I've still got it. I, I bought Jukebox in Siberia as well, actually. I, I really enjoyed that song. And, and I bought the album and I listened to the whole album. I thought, well, actually, this is all right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, we love you. Technically, not the last instalment, but it is the last instalment, if you get what I mean. Of Charlie oh, the Monkey Dog. What is it? Yes. Charlie does have a sponsor. Not quite right dog food, Stalag 17 boarding kennels, and Whoa Boy dog collars, where instant obedience is just 240 volts away. <laughs> <laughs> you idiots. This is the first time, I know I'm so ridiculously thick on this, but it was the first time I noticed that in the theme song, running and he's not running, and then jumping, and he's not jumping. <laughs> it's just really passive footage of Charlie doing nothing. <laughs> running, jumping. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I got there. I, I noticed it in the end. <laughs> but after a recap, which includes Shifty Calhoun in it. Yeah, another Alf Cavallari cameo. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of great how um, they were talking about the will and it was like, oh, I'm going to leave my money to the children and to the International Institute of Worthy Causes. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the, the human fund yeah. from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that she's called Widow Arsenic as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's friggin' brilliant. Just what, I love those jokes that just go June directly over your head until... <laughs> You do a recap or whatever on a podcast and you go, oh, my God, that is brilliant. I've wasted 29 years to discover this. <laughs> In this week's episode, Double Trouble, Gramps is off to, for a business trip and grouchy Uncle Bill will babysit the piss week kids, which is brilliant stand-ins and everything, which is just yeah. uh, Charles. It looks like Santo as the double. <laughs> when... Charles mm. Bunting while playing both characters and... Shaking hands with himself. Yeah, that very overly long shaking hands shot. Again, that's reminding me of all Aussie adventures all over again. Yes. <laughs> but they all go to bed and grouchy old Uncle Bill falls asleep after a cigarette uh, that falls near kerosene lights up the place. That has got to be Charles Bud Tigwell's greatest moment where he's like, takes the cigarette and then sort of slowly moves it over to the kerosene tins, which are labelled with a Dymo label. <laughs> Well, see, that's, De- that's, decades of acting led up to that moment. Again, I'm going to bring pedantry into it possibly twice. Pedantry. <laughs> first okay. of the year. First of the year. 
Well, first of all, the kerosene is labelled kerosene highly inflammable. <laughs> now, should it be highly... that was intentional. Or... Well, see, well, see should, shouldn't it be highly flammable? Absolutely. That's what I thought. And I always thought it... that inflammable means the same as flammable. It's just... Uh... It just comes down to the wording. Yeah. It just might, but I... Well, if I was labelling kerosene, I would label it highly flammable. Yeah, Not highly I inflammable. think so. I think if we look at our pajamas tag, it'll probably say. So that's that's pedantry number one. Pedantry number two. Pedantry. It was labelled highly inflammable. I am flammable. Okay, yeah, that is that is highly pedantry. <laughs> yeah, that's highly inflammatory. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't yeah. let that abide. Uh, that's a fair call, but good on you for dusting off the pedantry button. The next thing that happens is Charlie rescues them, right? And I just have to say that Charlie is so cute in these scenes where he's changing the clock so they wake up. Yeah. <laughs> this little fluffy paw. <laughs> Such a cute little. <laughs> and because they, he rescued him, he gets a bravery award and gets a ticket tape parade as well, which is absolutely fantastic. You can see where the budget's been blown. Yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, the finest line ever said by Charles Bartingwell. He truly is a wonder dog. <laughs> it's I the pause, it isn't it? You know, it it's is, the yeah. pause. You, you got that it's right. Not the P-A-W-S. Yes. Now, they, they make the reference quite obvious um, just after that, but I've never seen the JFK movie. Is that a, a, a faithful uh, parody? I don't think it's really a JFK movie. I think it's just the... JFK shooting. Just, yeah, it's just yeah. the event. Yeah. Which in itself, yeah, had the, the famous scene. But, my, yeah, my daughter was devastated when she found out what happened with Charlie. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Or will she? Or will she? Or will she? Yes, yeah. exactly. Back to the stage in the studio and the entire cast are crying. Yeah, I just think that in years to come, people will be, people will be saying, where were you the day that Charlie the Wonder Dog was shot? There's a really lovely hug between Rob and Santo in that moment, actually. <laughs> I didn't notice it on the stage just then, but certainly for the rest of the episode, you'll see that they're wearing black armbands. Ah, <laughs> I did okay. not notice ah, that. I, what I was wondering, line. yeah. You, you, you see, you, you, you'll see it in the, the late mail and uh, yeah, I was later, wondering on about the, that. later on near the end yeah. when they're on the couch. All right, now it is time for Toilet Break, and we have Act 4, the wonderful magician, and that is Darren Schutz. I'll place the die into the box and close the doors. And now, with the wave of my hand, the die has disappeared. It is no longer in this side or this side. It has completely and totally disappeared. Now, I know what you're thinking. You want me to open both doors. Well, okay. But I can honestly tell you there's nothing in here. But as you can see, the die has disappeared from this side. And the, oh, and this side, it has completely disappeared. 
from here and here and reappeared back in the hat. Thank you. Now, that one in particular, yeah, he, it was a very visual moment. So if you ever find it, like, we'll, we'll tweet out the video and stuff like that. Uh, amazing magic work. How, how does he make that die disappear? Who, know, who can tell how he's doing it? Visibly and invisibly. <laughs> I love the way that the die can be heard. Move, like, yeah. Not only is he tilting it at a 45-degree angle, but it became heard, like, sliding across. Bang. Yeah. Bang. <laughs> and the, oh, the audience's expression is really what makes it just that kind of deadpan plus the fashion <laughs> the fashions that they're wearing as well but yeah, yeah they're just kind of looking yeah the cutaway <laughs> to the women where they noticed they could see him like tilting it so obviously it's like <laughs> i think we were all on board with him for a while going oh yeah this is cute you know conjuring like that's fine and then it's like oh what but actually he brings it back he does do the fun reveal which is like and now it's gone yeah. you know that, that's a really good reveal to be fair to him yeah i was amazed by the silks yeah but the silks were good i was always wondering if he did that on purpose and um matt you've got something to well i was actually about, going to say that um it's part of an exclusive champagne comedy podcast chat. <laughs> Jeez. First Big Trevor, now Darren Schutz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the stars here on the champagne comedy podcast. Yes, I managed to track down the Darren Schutz and we had a chat to him about his time on Potluck. Darren Schutz, thanks for joining. My pleasure. How old were you when you appeared on Potluck to do that performance? I was 15. Oh, wow. So, yeah, look, a young country magician uh, uh, grew up in the country. I don't think I'd really even met another magician at that point in time. So like a lot of young magicians, I'd started just sort of buying some proppy tricks, that sort of thing, from a magic shop I'd found in Melbourne, um, sent for. So that was sort of, I guess, pretty typical of my show (laughs) back then. But I, I did my first puppet show when I was 12, so I'd sort of done a few gigs when I decided this show came along, uh, why not give it a go? Now, um, how? what was the process to actually apply for it and if you can remember any of the process? <laughs> yeah, I um, do remember we had to, I guess, apply. I can't remember the exact process there, but we had to go down for an audition. Um, so my parents took me down to Adelaide uh, about a month before where a whole lot of these acts got together. So we did actually audition, um, which I find a bit surprising for you know <laughs> some of us who were on it but um but yeah went for an audition and then a month later went back I think it was a Saturday where we filmed like a week's worth of of the show so all the acts um we sat in bleachers and the idea of the the show potluck is that you didn't know when you were going to be on so we all were given a number and then they started filming the show and then they would just like, draw out a number or something like that. And then we'd go down, have a quick chat with the host, Ernie Sigley, and then get set for doing the show. And so then they'd go to a break, come back and and record, you know, do the performance. We didn't exactly see the uh, who the second judge was with that because of the editing for it. Who uh, was the second person next to Bernard? You... Um, I, my memory is Anne Wills. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, uh, Adelaide's Anne Wills. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's where you're based at the moment, aren't you? 
That's right. Well, I'm, I'm Barossa Valley, so but South Australia. Oh, yeah. Yes, in, in that yeah. same state. So That's right. Um, how nervous were you when you performed? I, I, I probably wasn't. I was certainly being nervous being with the TV cameras and that on me, but as I said, I'd been doing shows a couple of years. I tend to not struggle too much with nerves, even now doing my shows, because I do put a fair bit of time and practice and prep in, so I'm, I know what I'm want to do and 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 you know i guess that eased nerves but yeah. certainly a 15 year old kid there was plenty <laughs> of nerves going on <laughs> naturally yeah so when you had that routine uh and unfortunately the camera cut away now when it tilted and it said all right well when you reacted and went oh yeah. was that that was that um, the the I guess the die magically reappearing for a split it, second. It did reappear, and <laughs> it was always a, a bit disappointing when we saw the live footage because I'd had a chance before my performance to talk to the producer, and I said I I wanted a like a whole front body shot of that my hands, this box, and my expression, rather than a close up just on the box, so that they kind of could realise that was perhaps caught me by surprise. But, yeah, at that point, the dice was visible in the box and then after that it disappeared again. Um, what they also didn't show at the end, which I only just realised again now, is that I pulled that dice then out of the hat, but they cut away from that too, so you didn't sort of see that, that it reappeared <laughs> in the hat. I commend you for having the guts and the <laughs> determination to do that in front of a national audience. And oh, thank you. when that was shown on the late show, because that was done in, was it 86, 87? 87, yeah. Yep. Uh, and to be screened a few years later as a comedic... Uh, bit, toilet break. Oh, yeah, toilet <laughs> break, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's with good compliments. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, when that was shown, like, were you watching the late show at the time? I was. I, I was actually watching that night. I was oh, wow. a fan of the late show, so that was a... Saturday night, I was just sitting at home, so I was probably about 20 at the time, and, and I, I distinctly remember sitting there watching it, and then Tony Martin, I think, was the one that said my name, and I, I, I think I said, you bastard, but, <laughs> but in all honesty, if I'm, yeah... If I'm honest with myself, I was quite chuffed to be <laughs> selected to be a toilet break on the late show. And and you're talking about the dice trick. When I just watched it again now, I really feel like that's a sucker trick. It's meant for audience interaction, particularly it's a kid's trick. Um, I think the the laughter from the audience of the late show was a better response than the audience, you know, in the studio, you know, the day of filming. So when they did that cutaway where people looked a bit, uh, I guess, uh, flummoxed, yeah. <laughs> was that a, like a bit of a natural reaction, if you could remember, or were you just concentrating so much on the camera and just getting your oh, when, when it got just my face. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, as I said, I wanted it to be my face sort of as if it caught me by surprise that the dice was still there. Gotcha. But I wanted them to show that the dice was in there, but that's <laughs> what they, they didn't do. They cut just to my face, yeah. As you said, you were watching the late show and, and you appeared and you're like, oh, that's great. Did anyone reach out to you, friends or family? And they go, oh, yeah, I saw you on the late show. Did you know? Uh, so, certainly a number of friends all, all mentioned it, that they... Um, yeah, they had watched it too and saw me there. Absolutely. <laughs> so you, you had an extra fifteen minutes of fame. So exactly. To speak. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And did, did you take advice uh, from Bernard at all, or did you just like, ah, uh, 
whatever. Because you're only 15, you still got room to improve, I guess. Or look, I, I I went into the whole thing knowing that Bernard could be quite crucial, like quite um, critical and harsh. Yeah. And so I guess you know my parents would prompt me too to sort of say, don't take anything to heart, whatever he says. <laughs> but I must admit, yeah, he said about speeding things up, all of that, and then he. In, in fact, I'm pretty sure on the original, um, he, he talked for longer than what they showed on the late show because he really, he said about speeding it up and then he got completely off track talking about some other magicians that he'd seen. Uh, and then he came back and said 32 or whatever. So he really didn't, you know, get stuck into me at all. So I was quite pleased by that. So they weren't too harsh. <laughs> no, not at all. And in fact, I actually came second on the day of that potluck for, for that day's episode. So oh, fantastic. I, I don't think I completely embarrassed myself. <laughs> what, did, what did you actually win? What was the prize? I couldn't remember, to be honest. I think something like a set of state knives or something <laughs> like that. I don't, I don't know. But I do know that if you won, then you went, to Melbourne to go into a like a, a, a final or something like that. Yeah. So uh, at, at the time, it didn't bother me at all not to have to then think, well, what other tricks am I going to do? to Because that was going to be quite soon, I think, to go again and do, an, do another episode. So I was more than happy not to have to do that at the time. <laughs> so um, what are you doing right now? Are you still performing or you have mentioned in our chat that you're still doing the odd... Uh, magic trick or illusion, I should say. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, I. It, it's been my, I guess, hobby, but also sort of sideline throughout. You know, the last thirty-five years or whatever it's oh, been wow. since then. Um, I I do close-up magic, uh, table to table. I do I still do like a stand-up show, like an after-dinner show, a lot of uh, corporate dinners and functions, that sort of thing. Um, so not the big stage illusions, but more what, what's called a cabaret-style show. I've worked, actually, for a long time. My day job is in a winery here in the Barossa. That keeps me busy, so I just do shows, um, yeah, on the weekends or, yeah, um, just those that come to me, actually. I don't really advertise a lot. I do have that website up that you found, but most of the work I do is just those that come to me through word of mouth and, and referrals and that sort of thing. How long did you keep the get-up for, like the hat, the, the clothing? Uh, probably not very long. Um, I, I've had a variety of outfits. Now I generally just wear a suit. Yeah, again, as a, as a young kid, that was probably more my mother's influence of, you know, sourcing a, a waistcoat and that sort of thing, yeah. I liked in his interview he talked about um, he revealed some of the magic of potluck, you know, what yeah. the whole process was for the contestants. So very interesting chat with him. The fact that um, he got the silverware or the steak knives. Steak knives and Pippi got the silverware So because he's yeah. the one who won. So it was just really, really cool that they all win cutlery. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's called pot luck and they don't even win any pots. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think there was a set of saucepans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take the saucepans. But I liked I'm, how he was I'm, annoyed. I'm just, I liked how he was annoyed at some of the, the cutaways and how they did close-ups of his face rather than the whole kind of whole mm. body so they so people didn't really understand who were at home exactly how the, how the tricks were playing out. Um, but, yeah, some really good bits of information there put everything into context a bit if you do want to book him he does do the odd uh 
stunt still. And I'm I'm, I'm glad that he's still doing uh, his conjuring work, mm. um, as yeah. well as uh, probably producing a, a, a magically good red wine. Hopefully, yes, he's making <laughs> that wine disappear. <laughs> so, visibly and invisibly yeah. and then and visibly again but if you want to book him or just reach out and say good day you'll love to hear from you uh his website is darren schutz magics it's d-a-r-r-e-n-s-c-h-u-t-z magic.com or go to the barossa valley and go to a vineyard i'm sure that he will be able to help your needs with trying to forget the whole thing with some wine. <laughs> That's why he's in wine, is it? He's yeah. just been trying to forget it the whole time. Get, get some drunk, then he does the dice trick. <laughs> yes, watch these silks disappear and reappear in the middle of your wine glass. It was yellow, now it's completely soaked in red. <laughs> but there is one person that has to judge darren and that is not to forget our favorite person in the world bernard really admire the art i respect you for including some dialogue as you present your work we need to step up the pace there i would have said that in the time you have there three or four tricks would have fitted into that time your silk operation has to be much faster and your disappearing dice even faster i hope to have the opportunity and we all hope to have the opportunity of seeing your work develop 32 and now Darren actually did respond back saying, oh, yeah, can you do better? And so Bernard goes, you want to bet? Jelly rolls and nice and hot. <laughs> Pop kettle. <laughs> yeah, I love so, that line. I respect you for including some dialogue. Like, it really would have gone either way there. It was like way too much bloody dialogue, right? <laughs> All right, so with those 32 points, that puts Darren Schutz in third place. All right. Um, yeah, just behind uh, the uh, uh, Tinkling Allen and Lady Brenda, <laughs> uh, who are on second with 34 points, and the damn near unbeatable, I think, Piffy uh, at first place on 40 points. But I just want to say again, thank you, Darren, for being a good sport, having a thorough chat. That chat that you all heard, the actual original conversation went for nearly half an hour. So um, that's like, he's just nice, friendly, and he appreciates the time that the fact that we remember that. And yeah, so thanks for being a good sport again, Darren. Thanks, Darren. Yay, thanks. Yeah, yep, great bloke. Oh, it's late show mail time, and Jason decides to read out some moronic letter from some person who claims to be named Fulham Gardens, if you listen carefully. Yeah, from from Fulham Gardens in in South Australia, who says? I don't know. Uh, I guess, you know, I was going to read it out, but I thought someone else might be able to read it. Uh, uh, Someone, I don't know, Alison, do you want to give it a crack? (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I don't actually have the text with oh, me, although I, I should I should just point out to this that this is a letter that I sent in. This is my letter. I, I lived in Fulham Gardens in South Australia and I sent a fairly ridiculous letter to The Late Show which included in it um, a lookalike that I had spotted on the TV. There was an ad for Diflam cough drops, I think it was, um, and, it, and it had a bloke in it who looked quite a lot like Tony Martin. It was sort of... Um, was like a kind of claymation figure. Um, it looked the absolute spit of Tony Martin, and the way Should that they sort of 
Yes, kitty cat <laughs> yeah. glasses, basically. Yeah, dark hair and glasses. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's your Tony Martin or your, your Warwick Fairfax or whoever. Um, and and the way that they they use this claymation figure to sort of talk about someone with a sore throat was it was like it was a sore going through your neck. And so you could see the, the animated saw going through the neck of this clay figure. And, and they got Tony to recreate this um, on the stage, basically by having Alf Camilleri hold a saw behind Tony's <laughs> neck on stage. So that this was, this was my shining five seconds of fame on The Late Show um, in 1993. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I was the coolest kid um, on Monday morning in school <laughs> yeah. for about five seconds. So, Well, surely it was longer than that. Did you, I guess you, you obviously had no idea until you saw it. Were you screaming at the time yeah. when you saw yeah. it? Yeah, I was. I was, wow. I, was, I was going, oh, my God, that's my letter. The phone instantly rings and it's my friend Chris to go, oh, my God, you're on The Late Show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, that was that was great it, i just mm. couldn't believe it i was shaking with excitement yeah and, and it was a typed out letter did you actually type it out as well or did you hand write I did. it yep um that's so very official I, I well i don't know you know yeah. back in the early 90s we're all learning about computers and typed it out on the computer printed it mm. off mailed <laughs> it off to the abc um and yeah they he didn't read out my name which is maybe a good thing but certainly okay. read out the suburb i lived in yeah well, and you your address was on there is that you your yeah, actual... well, this is if you pause the video, you can actually see my postal address. But of course, mm. most people just saw it live, so they wouldn't have been able to see it. I mean, these days they'd blank it out, wouldn't they? The address mm. Jason did call you Fulham Gardens, he did. Well, you know, why not? That's where I lived. Do you mind if I read out your letter? So I retyped it word for word. Yeah, yes. well, I do you know what? I, I read the letter and I thought, okay, this is really embarrassing, but you were 15 <laughs> at the time. So go on, read the letter out, Matt. I'm fine with this. You asked <laughs> a lot of questions in this letter. <laughs> yeah, lots of PPSs and PPPSs. Uh, can I just remind you, I was 15 when I wrote this. And, okay, and okay. With, with that in mind, read the letter, Matt. So this is for our podcast listener. Thank you. Dear Mick, Tony, <laughs> Judith, Jane, Santo, Rob, Tom, or Jason, or whoever reads this letter. Oh, I live in the excitement capital of the universe. <laughs> yes, you guessed it. Adelaide. All in other still, cases. Still a true fact. Still a true fact. <laughs> the fact that Adelaide is not excited is, is not excitement. It is the Because you live capital. in London now. It it's is the excitement capital of South Australia. <laughs> Und- undisputably. Living in Adelaide can get pretty boring, so to fill in the time, (laughs) when I am not sleeping, I go in search of a late show cap. The problem is that my local ABC shop never has one. Perhaps you can help me. Well. (laughs) Did they send you it? No, they did not send me this late show cap. I had to buy this because eventually the Adelaide ABC shop got some in and Uh, I bought it. (laughs) I won't say your last name, so Alison... mm, and in brackets, no relation. So, yes. What, what's um, that no my... relation mean? Or does that give your surname away? It, it would. It would. The, <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, that, well. <laughs> let, let's just say that my surname um, is is the same surname as that of a popular comedy character of the early nineties. Ah, okay. <laughs> that's that's the one. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> All right. So now here's the long part of the e- of the email of the letter. <laughs> Uh, God. Okay. 
P.S. Where can I get one of those late show T-shirts Tony was wearing? Mm. P.P.S. Speaking of Tony, he looks like the clay figure in the Diflam cough drop ad. So that's the part that they used yeah. and which they highlighted. Uh, P.P.P.S. Does Judith ever wear her hair down or is it permanently stuck in her head? See, that brings... Oh, that so yeah, this whole episode is basically as a result of this letter. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> this is the Alison Beat. Well, this is you're our special guest on this show. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the celebrity. You're guest. the celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, P P P P S. <laughs> How many more of these are there? Uh one more. How about Doctor Harry Cooper instead of Spin Doctors for your musical finale? Close with Alice Cooper. Oh. Again, again, yeah. I kind of. He was on it, wasn't he, Doctor? Yeah, yeah. you, you yeah. hinted, yeah. My gosh. Yeah. yeah. And one more. P, 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 S. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I intentionally said it slow because there was a lot of P's and I was counting every single one. The font is very small. Good to be accurate. Yeah. A friend told me Jane and Tommy G are engaged. Is this true? <laughs> oh, my God. Right. What's, I, what's I, all of that? I, I am still seeking. You see, I, as a Tommy G and Jane truther, right? Yeah. <laughs> in, all in upper cases, the end. <laughs> yeah, it, it was the end. This, this is me trying to be funny as a 15-year-old in 1993. That was a pretty good letter, really, because it could yeah. have been so much worse, like the one that we never sent about Tommy G. <laughs> <laughs> Giving your Bernard King-style criticism yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't read out my name, though, which is, which is like, you know, was it really her? Well, it was. It honestly was me. Well, there you are. Anyway. And, and yeah. you've confronted him, and, yeah, it's all done. He should have asked an apology, called you form gardens. Well, do you know what he, he then you see after he's read the letter, he puts it in his pocket, right? So it got it got to, you know oh. <laughs> Yeah. You, it got that close to him. In theory you yeah. touched him yeah. on the heart. Yeah. See see as a as a fifteen year old girl, I would have in no way been obsessing over these facts at all. Right. <laughs> well, so Alison, I believe that you deserve <laughs> You got onto the show, in theory. <laughs> yeah, because for many, many years, I always thought all those letters were fake. I just mm. thought they didn't mm. know anything. That just and, and some of them. That well, fake. yeah, I, I, think, exactly. I think probably about seventy-five percent of them were fake, and probably there were one or two that got through. And this is this is one of them. Allison's Allison's definitely not fake. Well, this one, uh, Judith. Real. Uh, Judith shows a letter or reads out or makes a comment about um, there was a lookalike of Charlie with David Cassidy. So that yeah. was a quick... Especially the, the pull-out or the centrefold of David Cassidy. I, I reckon that was Shirtless. a fake letter. I, I reckon they had one of them had that album. You know, yeah. is it, Absolutely. Is it kind of a dag classic, that album. Yeah. Tommy G classic. And yeah. Santo reads out a letter from the late show to the late show. Jeez, this is not fake at all. <laughs> yeah, dear yeah. No, that uh, one was real then. <laughs> yeah. Ask what's the go with Rob's briefcase. And it's cheap, nasty, downright bo- Sorry, that's a different thing <laughs> altogether. It's cheap and made of brown vinyl and covered in gaffer tape. And Dr. Aaron Beaucaire brings out a flamethrower to put it to the test. And, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the team roasts Rob's briefcase Figuratively and literally. It was a, this episode but, was grilling Rob. Put slight point of pedantry here. Don't don't you? See, it's not really pedantry. Don't you? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't damage the briefcase at all. So it's not. It's clearly not a real flamethrower. But then, of course, you couldn't have put a real flamethrower in that studio. 
because what it was, was it? It was clearly some sort of magic torch because I yeah. know I was going, I cannot believe whatever that thing is, some sort of Ghostbusters device that it's so close to people from the audience. Yeah. Like, did they sign a waiver? Did you learn anything in science? It's when it's an orange, uh, yellow oh, flame. Oh, burner safety flame. Yeah, exactly. It's when it's more brighter, like red uh, or orange, it is a cooler flame. So therefore, yeah. it would have flicked it, but it wouldn't. The heat wouldn't have lasted that long to do any damage. But yeah, it's still still a very impressive looking flame, even though, um, yeah, technically it didn't do much. It looked it, it looked like the the color uh, changed or something. No, it, it, it looked it looked like like the briefcase was about to catch on fire a couple of times. <laughs> but I think the the fact that Doctor Bocair was sort of doing these like different blasts uh, at it, like, like a short blast. Of, yeah. There was one part here which I have to give credit for. Santo does point it out. We were going to get you a briefcase. We went, we went to the not-quite-right briefcase shop to get something similar, but instead we uh, we got you a Mandarin a duck briefcase from our good friends at En Route Travel <laughs> from South Yarra. And uh, inside of it, there's a special treat for you, Rob. There's the Late Show video. <laughs> ABC video shops or any other good video stores. And isn't it great that you're not allowed to advertise on the ABC? I like the way Santo says, not allowed, not allowed, because that is actually no. something that we all used to say when we were kids. Not allowed to do that. <laughs> I like that they replaced this kind of daggy sort of late 70s kind of vinyl crappy thing with like the most the most early 90s briefcase yes. I've ever seen in my life and I, I like to think that every 20 years they get a flamethrower and they flame through like Rob Sitch's briefcase and they get in one that's really fashionable at that moment yeah I um I have I imagine it's a ceremony you. amongst the group I once <laughs> saw Rob walking to his workplace right where right. he was writing and uh, like I know he had a briefcase with him or something or a satchel or something and, and now I'm, bag or whatever yeah, yeah and now I'm like oh I really wish I'd checked it out to see <laughs> if it was the Mandarin a duck thing <laughs> or like apart from the fact that I'm like Oh, Rob Sitch, wow, yeah. freaking out. Well, the only thing I can really remember is that his shoes were untied. <laughs> his shoes were untied. Yeah, and because I was a mum at the time, I was like, oh, that's not going to go well. I really wish that he would stop and tie them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Prue. Uh, just playing devil's advocate here, how much do you reckon Rob was in on this? Oh. <laughs> uh, I would say half of it, but I don't think uh, he would have known too much, like how far they were going to take the joke. Probably, mm-hmm. I reckon they go, oh, we just need your briefcase just for a uh, quick little <laughs> bit. And they, they go, all right. So he's probably done it with some hesitancy. It's like, oh, I want to see where they're going to go from there. But he copped it all up that night anyway. It was like so many ribbing jokes towards him. So he's yeah, just going to pick right. on Rob Knight. It was like roast yeah. uh, Rob Knight. Yeah. yeah, well, it was his fault <laughs> for keeping the wig on that long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now, there was another letter which Rob reads out uh, from Michelle McCarthy. Do you want me to read it out? It's a bit long, but not as long as the PPPPPS letter. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, you got to put the PPPSs in there. Just before the letter, though, I did like the bit where he goes, oh, careful, I'll show, I'll get out your purple suit, Santo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me really want to see the purple suit. But, yeah, go on about the letter, sorry. No, that's all right. It was more or less Michelle McCarthy wrote in asking a couple of questions, uh, mainly what about what happened to Pseudo Echo. Mick and Tony, uh, is there more of the field trip bit? Is Rob Sitch a doctor? Uh, 
Why has no one hired your best bits DVD from the video shop where I work? Puzzle that one out. Um, but the main part was why do they have locks on doors at 7-Elevens and Food Pluses when they're open 24 hours? And they do explain it, and that's because Philip Brady's wanting to flog his merchandise. Yeah. Yeah. That, they're celebrity stooge. Fake letter. Yeah. It's a fake letter because, the, I mean, they use this letter segment basically as a way to kind of burn off a few quickie-type gags. It's now time for a sketch, and this one where it's got Tony doing a voiceover saying, from the people who brought you Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross, Reservoir Dogs, and other movies saying fuck a lot, comes a room with a fucking view. And they're all censored, obviously, uh, <laughs> starring Maggie Smith and Helena Bottom Carter. Charlotte, I don't know what I'm going to do about George. Oh, my dear Lucy, under the circumstances, I think you're going to have to say fuck George. <laughs> George? Fuck you. Fuck me? No. Fuck you, you crazy mother. <laughs> <laughs> they just both do this so well. Under yeah. the circumstances, I think you're going to have to say <laughs> you, you know what the one or two times in films when people when actresses like maggie smith or judy dent or whatever say the <laughs> f word it is actually really just shocking and cool and funny. yeah so so yeah it, it absolutely works them doing that in that posh accent but yeah. you know that that's kind of the only joke in this sketch and and it's a, you think it's an awful lot of setup just for a not great gag but you know whatever no because the gag doesn't really work because of course um hbc turned out to be like iconic you know not just mm. someone who appeared in merchant ivory films you know mm. <laughs> yeah at the time though you know now it's time for graham and the colonel and the colonel's silence has been broken so they're using buckets attached to a plank of wood how funny is that prop? I mean, it just yeah. looks so ridiculous. <laughs> like, they're the smallest bucket, like the seven-litre version that just fit over the head. <laughs> it feels like they've gone improv a little bit or there wasn't much sport to report on because they kept talking about Graham's the niece. Yeah, or Yeah, <laughs> but Jackie, uh, who made it to the Pons Institute. <laughs> so. Yeah, the Pons Institute gag is kind of like I don't think it exclusively belongs to like Rob Sitch or Graham and the Colonel. It's it was one of those things that I feel like if you ever met an engineer or someone like that, they always had a Pons Institute gag up their sleeve. Like they were mm. it's kind of a bit of a weird sort of sexist thing. I don't know. It's like, yep, it's funny, but it's kind of coming from a dark place, I feel. <laughs> it, it's kind of ridiculous, though, that because they had those that series of ads for Pons Cosmetics. Yeah. Yeah. This, like, yeah. white coats and this kind of yeah. area where they would research. The Pons Institute. I mean, of, <laughs> course, of course all these makeup companies and that have that, but they were trying to make it scientific, but actually it's mm. just to kind of, it's just sort of crap. You know, <laughs> it's just a branding just a, thing. Yeah, it's a silly thing. It's like the ones that I see on TV now where they're going about hyaluronic acid or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> One, something they've made up. It, it just sounds like yeah. if you put that on your face, it feels like it's going to make your face cave in. So it's, <laughs> it probably is. Why would I put acid on your face for? Like yeah. antimatter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, women's sports don't get enough coverage and so Graham and the Colonel want to prove that wrong because they cover volleyball, golf, cricket, netball and hockey. They've all made fun of them. No discrimination whatsoever. <laughs> and, but also the cricket as well, reporting on their Edgebaston test. Good to see the English war horse John Embry back in the team. Doing well with the bat as well as the ball. Mm -hmm. 55 not out. 55 not out. He doesn't look a day over 50. 
See, there's a, what we've done there what? is we've taken a comic premise mm. <laughs> and, and taken it nowhere. <laughs> Graham's niece is on holiday with a 14-day package tour. You can get kidnapped by the Kurds. Topical well, reference. Yes, very topical. Yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, but this is where you were mentioning earlier, Prue, they do like <laughs> going fishing. They're keen anglers of carp. The carp. <laughs> All of these carp jokes are so good, in my view. They <laughs> they just don't the seem to be fishes. funny. Yes. <laughs> then once you've caught the carp, it's time to eat it. Mm, how tasty is the carp? <laughs> I feel like carp tonight. <laughs> And how's the visual of Santo doing the fin on the top of his head when he's going, I feel like carp tonight? <laughs> but with the closing... They're all back on stage again and the team are on the break. Jeez, we really timed our holiday at the wrong time. So uh, because they decide to plug the Olden Day special and the D-Gen Best of special, which eventually come out on VHS down the track. Yeah. And 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 take the piss out of a very hirsute and the shit he's wearing, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and also the way Tony goes, he looks like Kenny Everett. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he does a bit, though. He does. And Jade actually yeah. says, Tom, those pants are a disgrace. With <laughs> <laughs> a full beard they and everything. They kind of are, though. Uh, <laughs> they're so tight. They're like, the, um, what do you call them? Um, tackle mashes. <laughs> yeah. And then he says he still mashes. has them somewhere. <laughs> yeah, one you, one for you, the ladies there, one for the bedroom. Oh, ladies <laughs> out there, out there. If, if you want to see what we're talking about, it's uh, Tommy G's sketch in yeah, the best of the original Degeneration DVD, uh, where he's uh, selling uh, home birthing kits. <laughs> Let me impregnate you. Oh, oh my god! I was wondering why is he holding a bucket and standing in front of like that's a wound. A, a curtain. He turns the bucket around and it's got "womb" written on it, except it's W O M. But they also play a little clip, uh, mainly a blooper from ABC News uh, that Tommy did find, where the weather slideshow mucks up as Ian Henderson tries to present it. Which goes on for about two minutes. Yeah, the, this is yeah. as a result of industrial action and presumably the sort of, you know, secretary or management person who was who was running the weather desk, the, the sort of, I don't know, the, the control room that night had a bit of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I do love the fact, and everyone did, especially Jane, because she's cacking herself laughing when they reveal who was to blame for it, and that cuts to the monkey in the control room. It was such a funny yeah. monkey, wasn't that's a, it? It that's kept funny. sort of snapping yeah. its head like... <laughs> <laughs> but they do wrap it up with the musical finale, as always, and this time it is Baby Animals. Oh, wait, no, sorry. It is Baby John Burgess with one word. One word, one head, one line. And I feel a whole lot better. Yeah, like he's almost he in tune there. Yeah. <laughs> he starts, he goes, are you ready for this? And then he loosens his tie. <laughs> <laughs> I did try to reach out to Baby John, but I got dadoed. So, um, oh, oh, man. No, no, he didn't, didn't didn't even get one word. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this very off-key delivery actually uh, 
encouraged me to listen to the original version just to kind of get this one out of my head. Clear the cache. That's right. Good, good. Thank you, Prue, for that. I, I just absolutely love the, the sort of game show host outfit that he's got on, the, the yellow shirt, the green jacket, the colourful tie. I mean, you know, how early 90s is that combo? Look, looking amazing there, Baby John. <laughs> Baby John was my favourite game show host. He was just so great i could imagine that if you were like a really heavy drug user or something and this is your one time of the day where you would just try and relax the mind that his his voice would be calming (laughs) but i used to actually watch him because he was quite a good gag merchant actually do you remember that on the wheel of fortune he was he had a really good patter you know what? Yeah. I, I will tell you one thing. So I've met him once, and that was at the Industry Award night. Um, but there was something that happened afterwards, and which I heard from a friend who was nearby, not long after I had left getting a photo. And that was that some women who were a little bit younger than me, so in their early 20s. So this is, I think, 2009, 2011, around there. There was a few people mingling and getting photos, and then they all came up to baby John and they asked for a photo, got the photo, walked away, and apparently John turns to a mate of mine and he fixes his tie up and goes, see, I've still got it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that's, that's quality. Good on him. Then we have the credits. And, Daniel, is there any Easter eggs in this? Uh, there is. Let's, let's go through the, um, through the, the credits. So special guests, Philip Brady... John Burgess, Shirley Strawn, and Charles Bud Tingwell, but in uh, quotation marks, not in brackets. Damn it. Bev Dunn, The Pissweet Kids, Abby Pomeroy, Joy Westmore, James Wright, and Petra Yarrod. Now, thanks to ABC News. I don't know if they uh, want the thanks considering... That would be the weather. (laughs) Yeah, well, probably more than that, but I don't think that they would want the thanks with that inglorious (laughs) two minutes. Well, the footage of the Adelaide tap water, I'm sure, came from the ABC. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, thanks to the Grand Hyatt Hotel, uh, Ripon Lee House Museum and Historical Gardens, and the National Trust. Now, also, there was a credit in there in memory of John Beanland. Now, I couldn't find much about him. Um, a few credits that he's got are to do with sound recording. Um, with the productions which were done at ABC Ripley, uh, like uh, children's series like Come Midnight Monday, uh, Liftoff, and uh, you might remember the science one called Infinity Limited. Oh, that mm. had um, Russ yeah. Williams from Full Frontal in it. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Oh, I loved him. So he worked on sound for all of those and, yeah, must have passed away recently. In 93. Uh, yeah, was sorry, yes, in 93. <laughs> we already had too many deaths so far. So, uh, yeah, that's that's all that's special about the credits there. That's it for episode 30 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast. Sorry, uh, the Sparkling Wine Podcast. So feel free to contact us on email, champagnelateshow at gmail.com, Twitter at TLS Champagne, Facebook The Late Show, as well as search for Champagne Comedy Podcast. I've got to change that title. On in, for the group on Facebook. It's on private, but answer the three questions and you're in. Please answer those three questions, or otherwise I'm thinking you're going to be a spammer. There's been an influx of people who are just asking to be requested, not answering any question. If you just answer one at least, I'll go, okay, you've put the effort in and you deserve it. Sorry, I'm big noting ourselves here. 
<laughs> we're, we're, not, <laughs> we're not that good. Oh, no, come on. You you get D-Generation breakfast show recordings. Yeah, yeah. This so is, my apologies. This is why to join. This is <laughs> yeah. why to join. You're more than welcome. Honestly, it's just to keep out the spammers. That's it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, in redbubble, bit.ly slash champagne comedy. I'll change that as well. So I just want to say again, thank you, Alison, Daniel, Kim and Prue for returning for this new year, new podcast episode. Thanks, Matt. You're welcome. <laughs> Great to be here. Yay. <laughs> well, and I'm Matt. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Stay subscribed, please, and give us a four-star rating on iTunes. It'll be awesome. Four-star. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au.